Welcome to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma. And on this week's episode, I speak with David Roldan, head of venture capital and startup business development at Google Cloud in Europe. And we are talking about customer success and what it means to David, what areas of business it impacts and what are the benefits of customer success. Uh, We look at how does customer success drive business and revenue growth and the difference between customer success and European startups versus American counterparts. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. Now on with the show. We are at Slush in Helsinki in the Google Cloud for Startups uh, podcast booth. And uh, today I'm joined by uh, David Roldan, uh, head of of venture capital and startups for Google Cloud. Welcome, David. Uh, Thanks, Alex. Great to be here. And always Slush is an amazing time. So glad we were able to do this today. Yeah, no, no, thanks. And obviously this is uh, is your initiative, the the podcast day. You've got some great guests over the next couple of days. Tell us a little bit about why you, you, you thought this would be uh, you know something uh, great to kind of like bring to to slush yeah I, I think obviously when you think about the different uh, mediums and channels that people are trying to send their signals out to the world uh, podcast has certainly been one of the ones at the forefront of most people's minds especially with people being so busy always on the go uh, thought this would be a great opportunity to provide a platform space really uh, for people to get some of their messages out there and there's so many wonderful founders and and investors here, so a lot of good insight and knowledge to be shared. Excellent. Let's get to know a little bit more about you. So, uh, for our audience, um, you, you know that hasn't met you, doesn't know who, who you are. Sure. Uh, so, uh, so I took probably a little bit of an unusual route uh, to to Google in that uh, it wasn't primarily uh, computer science or applied mathematics or physics. I was actually a business strategy person. And actually, my first uh, job out of university uh, was very cliche, stockbroker in New York City. But uh, I quickly found that that wasn't for me. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, making some scratch at 21, 22 was cool, but it just wasn't for me. And then from there, I actually started working in consulting and covering um, information communications technology sector. And at that point, instantly became very clear that technology was the future. So started learning how to code. And, and then at that point, just started working for technology companies. And I, I think one of the seminal moments for me when I was working at Ernst & Young as a technology consultant, you know, you're working with like really large enterprise customers. And at that point, I thought, you know, I think there's some, there's another calling for me. And uh, at that point, uh, I went and worked for Rackspace. At the time, they were they were a scale up, so they already had uh, several hundred employees. But by the time I left, uh, I I believe they had somewhere in the neighborhood of 7,700 employees. So it allowed me to do a lot of different roles and grow in a variety of ways. And that actually took me to uh, leading uh, part of their customer success organization. And actually, ultimately, what brought me to Europe. Uh, I've been in Europe now nearly eight years. And, and the thing that pulled me over was to help build out their enterprise customer success organization. And, and when did you uh, make the switch to, to Google? How did that come about? Yeah, so uh, I think while I was do, uh, leading customer success uh, for Europe for them, 
I started looking for some inspiration, frankly, to try and figure out what is it that I want to do next. So I started in my own time going down to Shortage. It always seemed like there's, there's a movement happening and I wanted to be part of that. And I wasn't exactly sure what was my place in the world there, but I thought there was something there. And what I was finding is it almost became like a knowledge exchange. As much as I was trying to learn from other founders and find inspiration, figure out what did I want to do next. I was actually finding that people were curious about how do you build company culture? How do you hire at scale? How do you build out an organization? How do you manage NPS and churn? And just a lot of these different types of things that I happen to have experience with. And, and from there, uh, then I was fortunate that at uh, Rackspace, I was able to then lead their developer experience and startup programs. And I thought, okay, well, I get to not only by night <laughs> work with startups, but I get to do it as my day job. And then from there, shortly thereafter, Google came knocking and said, hey, why don't you do that for us and do it for all of Europe? Awesome. And uh, now I, I've known you for a few years now, and uh, I know that you've always been very customer centric and have a real passion around customer success. Um, so I think that's let's focus on your, your passion uh, today for, for, for the crux of the, uh, the, the conversation. So tell us about uh, customer success. You know, what does it mean to you um, and what areas uh, you know, of a business does it impact? Uh, you know, what are the benefits of having customer success? Customer success is fundamentally about trying to create a memorable experience for your users, your customers. And obviously we're talking about a positive, memorable experience. And the thing about it is that it's not binary to one singular function within an organization. It really encompasses people that can work cross-functionally from how you work with engineering, how you work with product, sales and marketing. And it's the collection of, the, of, of those pieces and then how you deliver and present that is ultimately going to be what kind of helps to shape what ultimately that customer success journey is going to be for, for your organization and, the, and, the, and your user. So would, it, so would you say then, um, let's say a, a startup just hires a, a customer success function because, uh, let's say a SaaS startup because we're in the SaaS revolution show, um, and they hire a customer success person, does that really then, uh, just by having one person who's a customer success specialist, uh, mean that they, they're really a customer success driven organization? Or are you saying that actually like, across all departments, everybody should have this sort of customer success kind of mindset? So, so I think the overarching principle that the company needs to have is, ha is to have a customer obsession. That, that has to be kind of the mantra across the entire company that everybody is just driven by this customer obs obsession. That's the first thing. And then, and then I think beyond that, then there's other components where because you have to have that customer obsession across the entire organization, then, then I think it's important to try and bake in, especially as you're scaling um, and have achieved product market fit, it's even more important to start baking these into OKRs. Uh, that way everyone has a little bit of skin in the game um, and, and that way it isn't left just to that, say, customer success uh, manager organization to do a closed loop feedback on their own. It's making sure that they're able to have it a little bit of a two-way street in how they share information and trying to build and figure out what to prioritize to delight their users and their customers. So in your role at, at Google Cloud uh, for startups, um, you, you know, you're obviously working with like huge amount of, uh, of startups across Europe. Uh, do you see any sort of commonalities in terms of when they are hiring you know, customer success functions? 
uh, and how customer uh, obsessed you know the, the these companies are. Like, uh, would you say? You know, 100% of all of these startups, you know, have customer uh, obsession, or and if they don't, like, you know, when do you kind of recognise that? So I guess a number of questions there, but you, you know, sort of when, uh, what do you see in the commonalities of you, you know the uh, the startups being customer obsessed, and um, you, you know, when are they kind of making those, those first customer success specific like departments and hires? So uh, uh, from my from what I've seen in my observation, the, the the ones that are the best are ones that even in the early days they just are really obsessed by the customer and that's really driving them and their product roadmap. Uh, but then beyond that, as they are inching towards product market fit, uh, I think some of the differentiators have been that some of the best from what I've seen is they start thinking about it and maybe even deploying someone right around that kind of series A uh, stage. Um, I've seen a lot of people think about it even later than that, but in my opinion, I would be thinking about it slightly earlier, uh, just because to me, it's gonna be much more about how do you create a tribe of users, of customers, that are just as obsessed with you as you are with them, because that should be ultimately your North Star. Uh, for what what you want your identity to be for your brand and the experience that you want for your users, you've uh, obviously uh, uh, had this kind of unique experience of, of you know working in, in scale ups in in the US uh, and in Europe and working with startups you know in in both regions. What, what do you see uh, like any kind of like differences between how customer success like you know functions like within the US and and, uh, and versus Europe, I guess. Sure. Uh, I, I think one thing that comes to mind is, and I suppose this uh, to a degree plays to some stereotypes, uh, where uh, I find that in Europe that it's a bit more of a measured and methodical approach, uh, a lot a much more structured from a documentation standpoint. And I'm speaking uh, even more specifically about, say, like closed loop process, uh, where, where I think sometimes in, in the U.S. it can be a, a bit looser. What is a closed loop process? So, so that's where, let's take something like NPS. So your uh, net promoter score and you've gotten feedback from your, from your customer and you know, it's on a scale of you know, one to 10, nine and 10 are considered promoters. And, and anything that's uh, seven, seven, eight, uh, and, and then below that, so six are what you would call detractors. So let's say you had a score of five. Um, so then you really want to start to dig in around what was the feedback um, and then was it about a specific product? Was it about a feature? Was it about maybe your, they experienced an outage? Um, so it's really trying to dissect that and then it's trying to cobble together the different components to how can you change not just perception but actually how do you fundamentally change what that experience will be the next time and not just for that user but for all your users so that's really what that closed loop process is about and it's about getting some of the uh, key stakeholders from like engineering product and sales in that room together to make sure that you have a comprehensive view of what of what that outcome will be um, so when i'm referring to w some of the differences uh, between say uh, European and uh, in in the U.S. when it comes to customer su success, I've just seen in Europe that the the documentation definitely is a, a, a bit more thorough um, in trying to make sure that like, hey, we have this regular cadence and we're going to keep doing this until literally it's we've shown that it's repeatable and and right, not that we just fixed it this one time. 
Um, so that, that's something that I've seen. I think it, it, in the U.S., um, you know, one of the things I love about the U.S. is they go so fast, right? Uh, and, and it's fascinating to see just how quick they'll go from speed to market to releasing products. And, you know, I think, I think you know, one of those stereotypes is that, you know, within Europe that, you know, so for better or worse, uh, that sometimes it might be a, a bit slower in how they might approach to trying to attack a market. You spoke about Net Promoter Score there, and obviously I think this is something we, we, we see that um, perhaps the majority of SaaS companies and non-SaaS com uh, SaaS companies use to kind of you know, get the feedback in terms of um, you know, what their customers are, are thinking about the product. And um, on the, you also mentioned some like, uh, like six and below are the detractors, right? So the, these are people that are really, they're not going to talk about your product. Uh, they may even talk negatively about your product. What, what is your kind of viewpoint on uh, like following up with detractors? Because I, I've, I've sort of read like previously, uh, because actually like we use NPS uh, for, for SaaS stock, right? And, um, uh, and again, I, I guess we've learned about it through other SaaS companies and so we've used that as post event. Um, we'll do our NPS surveys as well as kind of, you know, get, getting other feedback. And uh, of course, you know, everybody gives us nines and tens, but you, you, you know, but you can't please everybody. And you, you know, if you, if, if you get the odd kind of detractor score, uh, I, I had read, and I can't remember if it was Lincoln Murphy or somebody, but it's like, you know, leave the detractors like alone because you may only kind of like make it worse by, uh, you, you know, saying, oh, like, you know, why didn't you like us? What was the problem? And they're like, oh, these guys again, like, you know, leave me alone. Um, you, you know, do you think that that is good advice to leave detractors alone? Or should you actually follow up with them, find out what were the issues and see if you can really kind of like understand that to learn from it and then maybe get them from, you know, can you convert them from being detractors to actually being, you know, promoters? So to, so to that thought uh, that, that you just sh shared there, there's, there's always the, the kind of feeling that you can't be all things to all people and you're never going to make everyone happy. Now, what I do think is important is to make sure that you are taking a data-driven approach. So just as much as being customer obsessed, I, I think tightly coupled with that is having a data-driven approach. So it's important to understand what those detractors and the passives, the seven and eight, um, eight are saying. Uh, but at the end of the day, then the people that you do love, you know, like anything else in this world, you want to kind of weigh out kind of the percentages. Uh, so let's say if like, you know, 80% of your revenue are coming from those promoters, well then you probably do want to continue to dig into that data to understand what is it that, they're, that they love and then how can you delight them even more, right? Uh, versus saying, actually, I'm only going to work on the detractor. So I think it, to a degree, it's a bit relative. Um, but it, to me, it's always going to be about what does the data tell you and, and then kind of anecdotally as well. Do you see any common pitfalls when companies start building out customer success teams? I'd say perhaps the, the greatest one I see is people thinking of it in a very singular fashion of, of for instance, oh, you're just going to be hired and you're going to focus only on churn. Uh, but churn is just one component of, of the overall landscape of customer success. And I, and I think that's one of the things that people then when they start uh, hiring for customer success, they start thinking about things uh, perhaps maybe a, a bit too uh, singularly. And I think it's important that they're also thinking about in, install, not just churn, but install base. Uh, what is it today and uh, kind of share of wallet how do we get more out of our existing users? 
Um, and are we increasing that revenue per unit? Uh, so I, so it's to make sure that people just are putting on that hat and thinking a bit more comprehensively and then also making sure that they're hiring the right type of personnel because that's yet another uh, another kind of mistake, if you will, that I see people make is that they might think like, oh, I need to hire someone that only has this like ops background. Well, the reality is everyone in the organization to some degree has to wear a sales hat, um, you know, re revenue and cash is king. So. Um, so on top of delighting customers, you need to find someone that is not only customer obsessed, not only uh, data driven, but someone that also has the ability and capacity to try and make sure that they are trying to increase revenue per user. If you could pinpoint it to, to one thing, it's always hard to do, uh, but what would you say is the most important thing for early stage startups to know about customer success? I think be, being conscious of the unconscious bias <laughs> to, to some degree, because I think it's very easy for us to see some feedback roll in and just make some assumptions. And I think it's just important for us to, uh, time to time, just make sure we're checking that at the door and being able to use uh, some, some more data to really understand, you know, is this matching up with what we see on the surface? And then I think, and then I think with that is that throughout a company's maturation, that they are continuing with it to inject within the company's culture this value and this belief system of customer obsession. These are absolutely critical. And one of the things, frankly, that I learned uh, at, at Rackspace that they did a wonderful job of making sure that through the various ups and downs of the company that the center point that everyone needed to always remain focused on was the customer and how do we ultimately try and improve and have them be delighted. Final question, David. So obviously you've got a, uh, I think, a very important job uh, you know, within the startup ecosystem in, in Europe. Um, you travel a, a hell of a lot, right? You're a father of three kids. Um, you know, how do you stay kind of healthy and sane, um, you know, as, as you kind of have this, uh, like, the, the, I guess the work sort of, uh, and, and life sort of balance? Yeah, so when I'm with my family, it's gotta be all about them. Um, and cause you know, children, you know, they're not thinking like, uh, you know, their father is uh, at Google doing whatever, uh, you know, uh, it's, so it's just trying to make sure that I'm present for them. And, and that means, you know, when I am home, it's doing some of the little things like I love taking them on the school run, take them to school uh, two, three days a week, um, work from home, you know, at least one day a week. So maybe I can do a school pickup one day. So, so I think there's some of those little things when I'm home and then when I'm on the road, it's um, just trying to be mindful of making that extra effort of always making sure before they go to school, I'm seeing them and talking to them, even if it's through video and before they go to bed. So oftentimes I may be, you know, out going to a dinner on the road, but you'll see me excuse myself while I go outside and, and talk to them. So I think those things are important. And then just for kind of healthy body, healthy mind. So um, I love to run. Um, and for me, that's kind of like my time to like do the cataloging and just kind of like almost download of what happened, what needs to happen. And then uh, while I'm doing that, I'm also listening to music. I love music.
Awesome. All right, well, uh, David Roldan, uh, Head of Venture uh, Capital and uh, Startups at Google Cloud for Startups. Uh, thanks so much for not only actually uh, creating the initiative of the, uh, of the podcast stage at, uh, at, at Slush, um, but for being a guest on the SaaS Revolution show today. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show with our guest David Roldan, Head of Venture Capital and Startup Business Development from Google Cloud, the man that made uh, all of the recent Slush interviews happen. Uh, so big thanks to Google Cloud uh, and David in particular for uh, enabling that, uh, which has helped provide some great content to the SaaS Revolution community. Now, if you like this episode and would like to rate and review us on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it because it helps uh, us get found by uh, new founders uh, and those within the community. So please leave your ratings and reviews in iTunes or wherever you get your episodes and we'll see you on the next episode of the SaaS Revolution Show.